Welcome to the Rambling Ranger podcast, episode 12. Uh, my name is Luke Taylor, and today I'm joined by three guests. Um, I've brought back Tony Lamont as co-host for today. How are you doing, Tony? Hello. And our two guests are Eleanor uh, Dobby. Hiya. And Catriona Bullivant. Hello. So first podcast of three people and a co-host so i'm quite overwhelmed at the moment um but yes we all of us um have one thing in common and that's, uh, that's our jobs and our careers but um also as fellow young people and um, we all met through the rural youth project which we have talked about previously on the podcast and i thought it would be the reason how we all kind of know each other is through that project so it's one of the reasons i wanted to bring us together today and yeah, just to kind of reminisce the, the project and kind of get to know a bit more about Eleanor and Kat, because um, likewise with what we've learned about Tony, um, Eleanor and Kat are fantastic um, people with uh, fantastic, um, well, what, whatever they're getting up to in life, be that their career so far and things that they want to do in the future. So um, I'm very intrigued and want to dive more into that and um, obviously share their stories with everyone else that's listening. Um, so just to start us off, um, how about both of you introduce yourself briefly? Hi, yeah, I'm Eleanor. So um, I'm from Southeast Scotland and I studied forestry at uni and I'm now working with my family um, and we have a small sawmill and some woodlands. Hi, I'm Katrina um, and I'm from the Highlands of Scotland and up until recently I've been working with the uh, conservation organisation Charity Trees for Life, um, learning about uh, environmental conservation. I grew up in a rangering family and have spent most of my time out and about enjoying the nature and trying to figure out what we can do to get people out to enjoy it and to uh, preserve it so it lasts for as many people to enjoy as possible. Fantastic yeah so all um, one thing in common all from Scotland and yeah you touched upon a little bit of what you have done previously so um, yeah I, mean, I suppose we all met through the Relief Project um, how did you guys find out about that project in the first place? Um, I heard about it through a family friend um, in, who lives in the same village. And I've actually no idea how she found out about it. So I feel like I was quite, quite lucky. It was quite a chance thing that I found out about it. Right, okay. What about yeah, your, yourself, Kat? Yeah, actually it was my, um, my manager from Trees for Life sent me a link. Um, and said, oh, you might be interested in going to this. And I, I read up about it and I said, it just sounded too good to miss. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I Wait, think- how, well, how did you find out about it, Luke? How did I find out about it? Yeah. I mean, I think we had this conversation. I think I found out about it from you, but then you said you'd find out about it from me. So oh, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how that happened. Um, but of course, the Real Youth Project, as discussed previously, is a project um, that started originally um, in 2018 and uh, the Big Ideas Festivals are festivals that aim to get young people from across the country from rural and non-rural backgrounds and a few international guests as well to share ideas um, take forward projects that they have and just really immerse themselves in um, just a, a whole range of people from different backgrounds which is obviously how, how we first uh, met each other. I just want to kind of touch upon then kind of your experiences with the Real Youth Project. I mean, me and Tony have talked about it in great lengths, but um, I'm interested to know what you both got out of it, um, Eleanor and Kat. Um, so yeah, if you'd like to share that. Uh, yeah, I had a really great time. It was so much fun. 
Um, I guess, yeah, lots of ideas and inspiration and motivation. Um, and one thing was really nice that just to meet other young people from rural areas, because there are sort of so few of us and we're so scattered. So it's nice, like, not <laughs> to feel that I'm the only one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was really good. That sort of sense of community um, has been really, really good. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I have to absolutely agree. It was amazing meeting so many uh, similar people, um, but also people with ideas of how to use their the fact that they're rural youths to their advantage and that it's such a great platform for uh, getting your voice heard if you find the right path to do it. And I think that the Rural Youth Project kind of pointed me in the right direction of finding people who are um, able to share. So before then, I'd kind of been floating along quite happily oblivious i think and then I, I went and it kind of opened this uh, amazing world of other people who know how to make change or are willing to help people uh, voice their opinions on things or you know find a platform to discuss areas that you thought maybe you were the only person uh, otherwise cared about so yeah it was fantastic yeah no i completely agree it was uh, i think uh, it was a good opportunity to bounce um ideas off one another and certainly share with people um i think as you said it's quite easy to just get into your own mindset and plow on happily and do your own thing but actually um, once you're exposed to potentially other people that you never knew were out there that have similar interests careers uh, and everything else um, it can spark a few ideas and also you can form those networks and uh, relationships with uh, with these people. What about you, Tony? I know you've talked about it briefly, but it's uh, be quite nice to recap. Oh, yeah, I just I thought it was really good, just echoing all the points that's already been discussed. <laughs> but yeah, I think the main thing for me was just meeting other young people who have got the same enthusiasm towards different ideas and life, etc. Yeah, no, totally. Um, if I say there was one thing that you, I suppose, got out of the Rural Youth Project for you and what's then helped you afterwards, what would that one thing be? Me? Um, I mean, if you want, Tony, yeah, <laughs> take it away. All right. Uh, just the, the networks, because like, once you go to a, a thing like that, you take down everyone's details, you get to know people and you just expand your connections so you can gather uh, voices and insights that you wouldn't have before. Yeah, no, totally. Eleanor, um, you got anything? Yeah, just the same, really. Um, the networking was really important for me. Um, yeah, and also just because um, the Rural Youth Project are doing um, a couple of other projects as well. So it's fun um, carrying on being involved a little bit with, with what they're doing and being sort of part of that movement. Yeah, do you want to touch on that project? I think another one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so at the moment they're doing, um, trying to remember the title, like a Rural Changemakers change program. Yeah, program. that's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's fun, giving us um, sort of sessions where we learn about, um, yeah, I guess leadership. And so it's basically, yeah, if you've got an idea that you want to develop, or even if you don't have an idea at the moment, um, but will in the future or want to support others with their enterprises, then, um, yeah, it's like a little mini course um, to help you with that. And so that's really exciting. And that also has lots of other really interesting people on it. And they're also involved in, um, was it Smart, the Young Person Smart Villages for Scotland 
creating these online platforms to connect people of various interest groups. Um, and so now they're developing one for young people, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a wonderful thing um, to provide a platform for um, almost like a legacy of the Realty Project and for a place, I suppose, more like-minded people like ourselves can um, come together and create positive change. Um, Kat, have you got anything on that? Uh, no, not much. <laughs> I, have, I haven't been able to, to get to any of the meetings recently for the Rural Youth Project's new um, projects that are coming up, but they sound fantastic. I think it's a really important uh, resource to have for young people to be able to um, find these connections and communities who of like-minded people who are willing to, um, to help them and to teach them and to share their experiences from before and um, say no it's actually okay you can you can do these things and we're all here to help you so it's a really really valuable platform to have yeah no absolutely and you mentioned um in your kind of introduction and um the things that you got out of the real project that it helped you in many ways afterwards and um, what were some of those things uh, in regards to maybe just a clearer focus or a goal that um with even trees for life or afterwards yeah i think it just um it helped me realize that there are other people that want to um sort of sharing experiences or you're not always alone in doing things. So it's just, it's given an amazing um, network of people that uh, I could get in contact with. It gave me, um, so I, part of my traineeship, I was allowed to go and do placements in uh, small businesses or in large organizations, also in the environmental conservation area. So as part of that, I was able to go down and visit Eleanor. And um, we spent a week working on her uh, sawmill and seeing how she runs her forestry um, business and uh, planting some trees and things. So through that, just being able to find uh, another person to be able to connect with in a similar way and to be able to discuss the ideas that we both have on nature and conservation and things was a really great uh, thing to be taken forward from the, the weekend that we shared down in uh, Bigger. Must admit, I think you beat me to it. I was very yeah. um, interested in <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eleanor's yeah, uh, family-run so business. <laughs> yeah, um, Eleanor, do you want to tell us a bit more about what it's like running a business and what's it like growing up in such a, a small forestry sawmill enterprise? Um, yeah, I can try and sum it up. Um, it's very busy. There's everything happens 24-7 and um, yeah very varied lots of different people around and um, I don't know it's really hard to sum up because it's sort of like my whole life it's quite hard to describe. why don't you just give us a day in the life of you you wake up what do you do to you put your, your <laughs> gear you have the opportunity ready yeah yeah I am um, running around the house desperately trying to find my clothes because I'm very messy um and now that it's cold <laughs> to wear a lot of layers and then uh yeah maybe i would go to the sawmill so my time is split pretty much half and half between the sawmill and the forest so in the sawmill there's a large bandsaw um that i operate so most of the big logs will come onto that bandsaw and then i'll chop them up um into the planks that generally they'll go on for further processing to become padding flooring decking boats, um, sheds, really anything. Wow. And then, or mantelpieces, sculptures. Yeah, the list is, yeah, it's so fun because that's part of, it's like living in a really remote area. 
uh, with not many people around. There's such a variety of customers that come to the sawmill. It's actually really dynamic and diverse. Like I haven't felt um, too isolated really in a lot of ways growing up because of the sawmill and all the different people that it brings in. And then in the forestry, um, yeah, lots of tree planting. And then I get lovely people like Kat who come and help. So that's really good fun as well. And yeah, managing the trees all through their life. So pruning them, thinning them, um, felling, felling them. And uh, yeah, to make space for more trees to regenerate and the cycle just starts again, really. Um, so, so we're trying to here create or like maintain like a forest ecosystem in the way that we do our forestry. So just continually harvesting a small amount of timber, um, which allows the forest to stay intact and, and regenerate. Amazing. So really you're a jack of all trades then. You've got your like skills in forestry as well as working in the sawmill. Are you involved in all areas of the business? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's, it's getting there. I'm trying to. Um, and yeah, there's actually also just from living in a rural area, there are so many other things. So another thing I have to do is um, we have a couple of biomass boilers. So they run off waste wood from the sawmill and they heat um, actually probably more than half of the village is on biomass heating at the moment. Um, which can be incredibly reliable. Like I, I would plug it, but also <laughs> there are so many issues. Um, at the moment so I'm having to desperately learn like plumbing and a bit of electronics and mechanical engineering and horrible things to try and um, sort some of these problems and, uh, and our water supply as well so uh, we're too far away from anywhere to have mains water so my mum is actually at the moment um, up the hill trying to sort a water problem and I'll be helping her with that this afternoon because uh, half the valley doesn't have water because there was a leaking sheep trough last night and uh, oh. yeah, our sewage as well, all the sewage is um, like on our own septic tanks. So there's often blockages to sort. And yeah, all the other little random rural problems. Yeah, so it's like constantly working in like wee small projects at the one time then? Yeah, yeah. As well as your day-to-day Several at once and trying to juggle and prioritise. So there's certainly like never a dull moment and my to-do list gets far longer than shorter. I think it's on about 16 pages at the moment, but I really need to sort through it. I'm just too scared to look at what's on page 16 that I probably haven't seen since last year. <laughs> desperately needs doing. Sorry, can I just ask Eleanor, what's it like working with your family? Because I know a lot of careers and businesses, you're, you obviously, you leave your home, you leave your family and you go to work somewhere essentially. What's it like for you having just always been at home, always been surrounded by your family and essentially your, your job and your work and your career is now with them as well? What's, what's that like? Because I think it's a very unique um, position that you're in because a lot of, I think, other young people certainly won't be able to relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have found that's a bit funny, like, because I have, have been away and travelled and worked abroad and gone to uni and such like, but yeah, all my friends, once they fly the nest, that's that, and they go, go on to their careers, and then I just went back home. <laughs> so I think um, for me overall, it's, it's very positive. I'm very glad that I did, I did leave home when I was 17, and I was away most of the time um, until years ago so when I was 23 so I had a good few years of, of traveling and seeing the world um but I always felt quite I was never like homesick but I still felt a sort of homing instinct almost like I just 
um, knew that I would come back um, because I really love it here. And I mean, I'm, I'm a forester and this is a dream. All of my um, fellow foresters were really jealous that I could just come back and do forestry in Somerlink. So yeah, I'm very, very lucky um, that I have my dream job. But at the same time, like there's always, um, you know, costs and balances. There's, it's hard, like it's a lot of responsibility because um, everything, you know, the sort of buck stops with me, with some things with my parents, but now that they're passing on some responsibilities for things with me, like people far older and more experienced than me will now be like, oh, should I do it this way or this way? Or what do you want me to do next? <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility, a lot of decision-making. Um, but yeah, so you have to be quite clear with what you want and quite determined and very, very good at listening to people. And um, yeah, I'm very lucky I get on with my family and that they're quite laid back. I think though it can, can be hard like emotionally because there are things, you know, that really annoyed you as a child like you know that small frictions and families that you always have and not letting those grow like you have to be quite emotionally mature and try and get over your childhood niggles like the way that your mum asks you to do something that really pisses you off like you can't really let that carry on forever now when you're back home um so yeah you have to be aware of of emotions and family things and that should be quite reflective and introspective to make it work yeah. <laughs> well that's really interesting yeah yeah but it, it feels like quite a dynamic relationship where you have to just like your job is you have to get it done it's like the, your whole life basically and i think that's just so cool yeah, yeah i think you yeah. should uh, so, like, are you for the future? like what are your plans? What, what, what position do you want to go up to? Like, do you think you're going to take over the business? Um, yeah, I guess there'll be like a very slow seesaw between what jobs my parents do and what jobs I do. Um, and yeah, it's quite quite scary to think because they <laughs> they do so much and they're very very good at it and very skilled. Um, so yeah, big boot to fill um but yeah I'm also really excited and it's good I feel like it's good work that we do I'm happy to do it I'm proud to do it and yeah there are small little things that will be fun too like I think we have a really good opportunity to to train young people in forestry um like people could come and and do well we already have do a little bit of that quite informally um but more could be made of it like people could come and learn lots of different skills here to help them decide whether or not you know most people know so little about forestry but um where i live yeah. you can learn about well forestry and summerling together which is quite important um yeah so little things like that for the future will be exciting if i ever have the time to take them forward yeah i feel like it's the future of forestry because like from what you've talked about how it's quite ecologically concerning and you're you're thinking of conservation and like the this sustainability of forestry and how you're going to take it on from like past land use and things yeah yeah and it's quite um quite dynamic being in forestry at the moment um as more and more people just the public in general and the government um and organizations are becoming a lot more interested in it and um yeah and there's 
some yeah lots of more projects and ideas and funding and it feels quite alive at the moment in the forestry world um yeah so that's exciting you both mentioned that you you did a site visit cat what was that like yeah it was fantastic actually um it was nothing like what i expected i didn't really know what to expect when she said she worked in a family sawmill and did forestry but it was oh it was a little perfect little place there oh it was amazing um <laughs> and yeah our family was so lovely and cozy and it was chaotic all the time but it was always interesting chaos and there was something to be learned from it all um and there was just there was always something happening or something uh to learn from or yeah so she showed me around the sawmill and it, it's not just a bandsaw it's the biggest bandsaw i've ever seen that she works on it's so cool <laughs> anyway and uh there's all sorts of amazing machinery and then we went we took a couple of a tour up into the forest and she's showing it showed me where they're thinning out the trees um so that the trees that remain have a better space to grow in and produce better timber but also a better ecosystem and environment for all of the uh, the birds and the wildlife that live there and then allows more light in and then more trees come through so it was a it was a really really fantastic experience to see um, that method of forestry because I think it's a very important way of um, harvesting timber which is an extremely useful resource which we obviously can't go without so if you can find a uh, a good way to to produce the timber such as the way that Eleanor and her family are, then I think it's a really um, important business to be part of and to, to learn from and share with people um, because it's also, nobody really knows about it. You think of forestry and you think of the big blanket Sitka spruce plantation, which are clear felled and then shipped off to become pulp somewhere else. You never think of the, the small scale continuous cover um, uh, forestry places and the fact actually we we do have good enough wood to be able to grow our own timber to build our own wooden houses is is kind of a kind of a cool thing so yeah, yeah. it was great sounds fantastic as i said i'm, I'm rather jealous and i'll need to uh, <laughs> i'll need to once this uh, covid malarkey and everything else is over um visit as well if you'll have me eleanor because i'd love to see it in action um, I think there's great crossovers as uh, Tony and well, you as well with yourself, Kat, all agree with other industries such as um, rangering uh, from agriculture to um, mm -hmm. yeah, just a whole range. Um, so it'd be interesting to see because um, my knowledge of forestry is only from what I've had commercially, be that in a country park, but I've never actually saw it. And well, I don't think many people have like Kat has with, uh, with your family run business, Eleanor. So that's, yeah, it's awesome. Um, which brings me on to, I suppose, yourself, Kat. Um, how did it kind of all begin with yourself? Now, I remember distinctively at the Rural Leaf Project being introduced to you as the girl whose two parents were rangers, which um, <laughs> just um, was, I, <laughs> which just says it all, really. Uh, obviously, I've worked, um, and Tony as well, through the, our, our apprenticeships in rangering, and um, to <laughs> that introduction alone, um, I, I was fascinated by what that must be like having two parents that are rangers. I mean, from all the people me and Tony have both met, rangers are weird and wonderful people uh, in good and bad ways. But um, to be the daughter of two of them, uh, I just, yeah, I had to certainly ask you and not in a weird way, of course. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, did that then, I suppose, inspire you to get into obviously your conservation kind of roots and then um, obviously with Trees for Life? Um, was it because of your parents being rangers? Um, I don't, 
I don't really know actually because for a long time when we were growing up it was it was a fantastic thing because they knew all sorts of things and we would go to fun places for walks and they would take us to work with us which was fantastic because um, either we could go and spend the day up on, in Cairngorm um, roaming around the mountains or skiing as much as we liked or we could go spend it down in, in Benach and roaming around in the forests um, which was just fantastic but I think I never really appreciated it. I took it for granted absolutely when I was a kid that 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 was what my parents did it's just how it was it never really occurred to me that it was special um or it was something that should be protected and promoted uh it was just what they did all the time and it was so it was so much fun um and for a long time I wanted to be a musician and I didn't really have uh, a desire to work in um conservation so much um and then I moved away and I did a few other things and then it slowly started occurring to me actually no this is I really, really like this, and this is really important, um, and it's such a good uh, area to work in, I think. And then I, it was actually my mum who sent me the link for the, the Trees for Life traineeship programme, so I guess it's because of her, but um, I, I think it's because of my upbringing, partly, um, that I had an appreciation for the environment and therefore uh, kind of wanted to get into that line of work. But also I think in some ways I came about it on my own, um, how important the uh, the environment is and how much there is to be done to help um, educate people um, so we don't completely destroy it before anybody can appreciate it or before it can just be there for its own sake. Um, yeah. So no, I think it, I think they definitely helped me. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a really interesting perspective and a way of looking at it, actually. The, I think a lot of us having parents with uh, professions and everything in your case it was a very unique profession both of them and just the fact you described it as you took it for granted and you kind of grew up maybe wanting to do your own thing originally but you kind of were almost came back on the track of uh, conservation and your interests in nature and the outdoors but discovering it your own way I think that's important as well I feel like you should never be inclined or forced to obviously do stuff by your parents and um, I, yeah it's a really nice thing obviously um, your dad uh, Nick Bullivant um, is, a, is a legend amongst rangers in Scotland um, with his um, Karen Gorms experience and I've, I've heard of him and just coincidentally obviously met you last year um, so that was a bit of a surreal scenario. It's a very small world um, with rangers in Scotland and um, meeting people and knowing people. But um, yeah, you, you obviously mentioned the whole take, um, taking things for granted perspective. Do you think um, if your parents weren't rangers that you would have ended up in conservation um, or interested in it, say the very least, at a young age? Um, that's a very difficult question, actually. I, have, I don't really know. Um, because I, I care so much about it now and I don't know if that's because of the background that they brought me up in and uh, now I have I can discuss it with them we have really fantastic debates and conversations um, mainly where we just entirely agree with ourselves because of course we're right but um, no I'm joking uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure if I would have come to it by myself um, I think it's a very very important resource and um be people should be educated and they should even people should know that there's jobs available in, in environmental conservation um sorry i forgot the word for a second <laughs> um but i yeah i think it's it's very difficult to know if it's something i would have come to um by myself entirely because i feel very strongly about it now of course so possibly yeah. maybe 
And that kind of, you've obviously, you've, we've mentioned Trees for Life already. Um, that was something obviously brought to your attention by your mum. Do you want to talk a bit about Trees for Life then, what it is and the work that you've done with them? And obviously it's came to finish now, so we can talk a little bit about what you're up to now afterwards. Yeah, of course. Uh, Trees for Life is a charity and they're aiming to, or their goal is to reforest the Scottish Highlands um, and to promote uh, um, change of land uses from the the more sort of old-fashioned land uses and blanket cover forestry and draining the, the moorlands and things into more of a, a healthy uh, management for the landscape, for the wildlife, for the ecosystems, for everything, for the people, everybody. Um, and so part of their thing, they had a... Um, a traineeship which they've been running uh, so I had a traineeship in the second year of it um, and yeah it provided us with a platform to learn about uh, various different areas of conservation and the work that goes into it so the traineeship I had was environmental conservation and a lot of that was learning different techniques to survey a woodland or to do you know bird surveys animal surveys going out and looking at what there is because then you can build up a really good detailed map of the um, the way that the land uses are affecting uh, the environment and then you can build up reports so you have a good basis to talk to people and say um, maybe there are ways that you can change land management practices and it can become more uh, beneficial to the wildlife whilst not um, disadvantaging the people who own the land or use the land or things like that so it was a it was a really fantastic opportunity to get to work with some of their um, very, very knowledgeable staff members and to be able to go out um, on surveying trips and see some of the most magnificent bits of ancient pine forest that otherwise I wouldn't have ever been able to see and just really get an idea of how um, of how much we've lost from some places but also of how amazing other places we still have are um, and how important it is to be able to appreciate and share these um, and discuss them with people so they don't um, get lost and become just another bit of blanket sick spruce plantation. <laughs> yeah. No, that's um, it's it's one of these job opportunities I think that are very unique and very far far and few between in Scotland. Certainly, um, I it only came to my attention through yourself meeting you last year and talking about it. And I think it's one of those um, important opportunities that young people like yourself have. Be that someone already like yourself interested in the industry or opportunity, an opportunity like that for someone that isn't necessarily interested in it, but through an opportunity like that could then become immersed and more engaged with, say, rural life or rural uh, habitats and environments and everything else. And just the setting and scenery alone must have made your work for you, because um, certainly it's, well, where were you based exactly? I was based in uh, Dundragon, so just uh, a little bit along um, Loch Ness, about an hour away from Inverness. Brilliant. No. Um, and so yeah. Trees for Life own an estate there. Um, so it's a, it's a conservation estate where they're trying to reduce the deer numbers in a slow, cold manner um, so that it's still respecting the stalkers' way of life and their work, but it's also creating a good balance for the, um, for the landscape and for the animals and therefore the trees regenerating and trying to find that magic tipping point of how many deer are enough deer and if we can just keep them moving and trying different um, different approaches to 
land management to find what works best for both the people that are working there and living there and for the environment. Yeah, no, of course. And do you find, how, how has the whole experience for you then um, led you to where you're, I mean, you've, you're now in Norway as a founder as of this call, so, but um, is that where you're wanting to take your career and work forward <laughs> or do you think you'll ever end up back in Scotland? Um, I'm not actually sure. I, I really love living in Norway. Um, they ha it's, it's an amazing place and they have, I feel like we're sort of, in Norway, it's just, it's either before everything started to go wrong with the, the landscape in Scotland or it's after it's recovered, you know, it's, there's a lot more um, mixed woodland, there's a lot healthier regeneration, there's a lot more um, sort of integrated land uses, which I think is a fantastic place to, to start a career because it's very inspiring to look at and go, oh, this is how this is actually supposed to be. And then you kind of have a platform of being like, I've seen what this can turn into, you know, careful. So then educating people as to actually what they've got is really important um, and is really precious, both for their, for agriculture and for forestry and for just environment and for people's well-being and opportunity to get out in the woods is fantastic. Um, it's very, I think Scotland is a very inspiring place to work because there's so much opportunity for change um, and there's so much such a good platform uh, to use if you can find it of course if you find the right little areas to get your voice heard yeah. um, and there's I, I feel like there's, there's about to be some big changes happen um, around land use and the environment conservation things in Scotland so it's it's very inspiring time I think to be working there so it's a little bit difficult to be away looking and going <laughs> I just want to be part of that you know? of course um, so I'm actually now working on a farm. So I've, I've kind of, I've come from being in, uh, environmental and I was kind of swinging towards agriculture, right. <laughs> which feels really strange for me. Um, but my, I'm very, very keen on it being as, um, as low impact or as, uh, environmentally friendly agriculture as we can. It's an organic farm. Right. Um, and they have, we have an area of woodland where the cows go and graze all summer and it's a really good method of managing that bit of woodland because the way it breaks up the soil and it creates you know different areas and things so it's it's a very um yeah it's a fantastic farm to be part of i think it's a really good place to be able to use my knowledge from doing all the environmental side of things and bring it in here and, and make it a better uh sort of mix of both to benefit both the woodland and the animals and the people that come here yeah, I mean, we'll all agree there's great parallels between these jobs and the experience that you've got in conservation can certainly help you and aid you in um, agriculture. It's obviously sad to lose people like yourself um, leaving Scotland and going elsewhere, but I'm sure you'll um, no doubt find your way back in some form uh, through virtual projects such as the Rural Youth Project and still be able to inspire and lead ideas and projects um, with other young people in Scotland or in other places across the world, as, as we know through the project. Which kind of you touched upon then changes and big changes that are coming and I think that's a really important thing to highlight because uh, my next question I suppose is open to all of you is what do you think the changes um, that are coming are going to be and how do you think um, what changes do we need to improve what we already have I suppose in conservation and forestry? Open I to think um, start <laughs> sorry I just jumped right in. No you're quite all right. Um, I, I think one of the big changes that will come might be, or hopefully a change in people's attitude and necessarily a physical change, 
Um, but I think a change in people's attitude and the, um, the ability to educate people or people wanting to be educated is more important, actually. Um, so I think a change in that might come. Then after that, you'll see how that creates a, a change in the landscapes or the management or the, the impact that people have on the environment um, and how that then develops from there. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be a big change. Along with Brexit, I think Brexit's going to change the amount of grant funding that different landowners are going to get. And that's going to affect, I, I, there's a lot of talk about the money in carbon, like big conglomerates and organisations buying land for like from trees of life and things, saying plant these many trees here and capture, like sequester carbon to off, offset my or, uh, company and things. I think there's going to be a lot of money in that, which Scotland might be able to invest in, as well as um, uh, like, like a lot of farmers as well are going to have to, like, like you see the new bills that are coming through. Um, so I think there's going to be a, maybe a lot more focused on funding, like the people who are owning these lands to help change in a sustainable and more eco-conscious way. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Well, certainly be, it feels like there's about to be huge changes in funding. And um, yeah, as Kat was saying, with people's, people becoming more aware and changing their attitudes towards the countryside like a big tidal wave of change in lots of different directions. So I'm hoping, I mean, change that needs to happen with between um, all the different, um, all the different groups between the public, the foresters, uh, the rangers, the conservationists, and being all connected between all the different groups uh, involved in the countryside. And even one the groups that are involved in the countryside at the moment, like the public becoming more involved and more joined up thinking and things being holistic and cooperative in the countryside. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think um, you couldn't have said it any better. I think there needs to be more cooperation and certainly more organisations and industries getting together and not settling their issues themselves, but settling it as a, as a one entity. And I, however that may be, I'm not sure. Um, you might have a few ideas, but um, how do you then think young people like ourselves can um, be involved in making these changes? And do you think we're the ones that are going to lead up this this push, these, uh, this change? Yeah, yeah, I think um, young people, I think the change is already happening really fast. Like when I speak to young people in forestry um, compared to previous generations, um, they already have very different ideas and attitudes and much more focused yeah, on conservation and holistic management of, of the land. So it's definitely, things are moving forward and it's fun to be able to see the change that young people are really, um, really bringing about. And I think we have, yeah, a huge potential. There's so much change, there's so much work that can be done. Um, and as Kat can see in Norway, there's just completely different ways that things can be done often with much more positive outcomes. And if young people, if we can network, you know, things like this, just talking with each other and sharing ideas and being really open and forward thinking and going, going to events and trying to have events, I think, that um, they go to lots of different conferences, but they're all 
uh, tend to just be forestry ones. Like I've not really ever been to an agriculture one or a ranger one or a conservation um, a conference or event. So if events uh, and networking opportunities that we have can be more mixed between all the different um, yeah, sort of countryside idea. professions, like if we can be broad-minded and, and let each other know what events and what things are going on in each other's professions, I think that could bring about quite a lot of change. Definitely. Do you have anything you want yeah, to add to that? I think that could be really useful. And it would stop the bias. Everyone thinks that they know best and mm. um, we don't like other people don't understand different um, careers and things, but at the end of the day we all have the same goal and we all enjoy our landscapes. We live in them, we, we love them, we want to take care of them and the only way we can do that is to work with each other and to, mm -hmm. to use each other's knowledge to expand our own understanding. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah, you're here. Here's to that. Um, do you have any final words you want to add to that, Kat? Um, other than I absolutely agree, I think it's very important to have a across the broad a board across the board. Yeah, across the board. Uh, meeting you know so you get to actually talk with um the foresters about the way that they would like to plant their trees and then you can talk with uh community engagement to be actually this is how we would like to educate the people or to be able to share this experience with uh other young people with in, with anybody rural or not rural, um and and talking with with the conservationists about where things are going or you know just i think that is a very very good powerful tool for change definitely to be able to have that communication amongst amongst ourselves and i think young people are the people that will make that happen because there'll be maybe one or two very inspiring uh people who've been around for 20 years or so but i think normally the people that hear their message and take it forward are the young people because they're inspired by it they go yes i want to dedicate my life to doing these things into expanding these ideas or to exploring new or realizing actually maybe that doesn't work so well let's develop our own on top of it you know so it's I think it's it's definitely the young people that'll make the change because possibly maybe we feel like we have the time to give we've not already had 20 years of a career or getting kind of comfortable and old um 40 years of career even um so I think yeah I think there's a lot of power with the with the young people at the moment uh, to make a huge amount of change and hopefully a positive change but um yeah it's it's very exciting to be part of it that's for sure no absolutely and i think on that note that's a fantastic way to to end this um i'd like to obviously thank all of you for uh, joining me today on the podcast and um, tony for co-hosting um, i'd love to have you again on and uh, likewise eleanor cat uh, cat calling all the way in from norway and yourself eleanor uh, i know we've just had a previous meeting so it's, it's been a long zoom session for all of us and then um, if anyone else is interested we did um, do a rural youth project podcast and um, when we all first met each other and we shared some of these um, ideas actually back then last year so if you want to hear that it is on the rural youth project podcast um, under i think um titled with all the all our names i can't quite recall what it's actually called but um you'll be sure to find it there but um yeah any final word folks yeah really enjoyed our conversation yeah thank you very much for having me yeah thank you that was good fun